Friday, June 15, 2018, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from a little bit of a smoke-covered mile-high city. I am right here in Denver, Colorado, and yes, we are getting some of that smoke and haze from those fires that are going on down in Southern Colorado. Our thoughts and prayers go out to those people down there, but we are definitely seeing some cover up here in Denver. You know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. We have made it through another work week. You know, we just get through another few more hours and we are off to another weekend. That is always a good thing. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, let us know what you're going to be doing after work tonight. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosports. It doesn't have to be work-related. It doesn't have to be weekend-related. Maybe you have a suggestion. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you have something that you think would make the show just a little bit better. Or maybe you just need some advice. Let us know. We would love to hear what it is that you have to say. Hey, today on the show, we will be concluding our conversation with Russ McKinstry. Of course, Russ is a longtime high school basketball coach. We are going to be discussing those NBA finals. Got a few questions for him that I really want to know the answer to. I mean, should LeBron James have changed the way that he dealt with J.R. Smith's giant brain fart in game one? I'd like to see what he thinks about that. Are we seeing a shift in power over in the NBA Eastern Conference? And if he had the top pick in the NBA draft that is coming next week, who would Coach Mack be selecting with that top pick? We are going to get to all that in just a few minutes. But first, there are a couple of things coming out in the world of breaking news that I do want to get to. You know, it looks like the Los Angeles Lakers actually had to speak to Lorenzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma about toning down their social media, whatever, roasting of each other following that rap diss track that Lonzo Ball released about Kyle Kuzma earlier this week. Now, they say that Kuzma and Ball are friends, but the Lakers are starting to get concerned about their personal nature of their arguments between the two in social media. Now, these two have been going back and forth over this past season. We've seen Instagram posts. We've seen things in Bleacher Report. And then last week, Lonzo Ball released this track titled Kylie Kuzma. That came out on Monday. You know, can I just put this out here? And I realize as I say it, that you might listen to this and you might accuse me of being the old get-off-my-lawn guy, and I understand that. But can we just be clear about one thing? You can call it a diss track if you want to. You can say you're roasting each other in your songs or whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, never forget, you are writing poems about each other. (laughs) Just make out already and let's be done with this. Let's put this foolishness behind us. And let's be real clear about why the Lakers are not okay with this. Because the Lakers are hoping to make a run at LeBron James. Do you think LeBron wants to go to a class where the kids keep throwing paper and shooting spitwads across the room? No. LeBron James is trying to be valedictorian. This isn't helping the Lakers get him when you see these two little kids throwing things back and forth in class. That's why the Lakers care. Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma might want to stop writing poems about each other. In other sports news, you know the state that has been credited with some of the push, at least, behind legalized sports gambling, began taking bets on Thursday as New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy placed the first bets in New Jersey at Monmouth Park Racetrack. Yes, legalized sports betting has hit New Jersey now. 
In fact, Murphy put a $20 bet on Germany to win the World Cup. Not a bad bet. And he put a $20 bet on the New Jersey Devils to win the Stanley Cup next season. Now, like, I understand the Germany bet. It's not a bad bet. And I understand he wants to make a bet that has his hometown in it, that involves his home state, so he puts something on the Devils. But I'm not sure that this bet is the example of of what we want to set, is it? I know he wanted to keep it regional, but couldn't he pick something a little more fiscally responsible? Bet that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win less than 14 games. Bet that Eli Manning is going to look confused more than like 200 times this year. Come on, Governor Phil Murphy, stop the frivolous politics spending. We don't need that kind of thing. One final news story here. It's kind of nonsense, to be honest with you, but I thought it was interesting. Apparently, Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett is not a fan of Kevin Durant's decision to join the Golden State Warriors a couple years ago. Garrett spoke in an interview on Cleveland Radio on Thursday in which he said, KD broke the league. What? Miles Garrett said that Durant took the easy way out by joining the Warriors after they had gone 73-9 and the previous season. LeBron James joining the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, that was different because their success was not guaranteed and the Heat had to gel, Garrett said. Not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. You know, with KD, you just stick him in, he scores. You already knew what they had. They were 73-9 and before, and you put the second best player in the world on an already all-time great team. Of course, they're going to have success. Pretty easy success. Anyone can have an off night and they can still find a way to win. Now, this sounds kind of crazy to me, but let me think about one thing here because I might not actually have Scooby-Doo here in the room with me, but (laughs) I think I can solve this mystery because when you hear this and you hear that Miles Garrett thinks Kevin Durant broke the NBA, there's just a couple things that stand out to me about it. Let me think about this. First off, Miles Garrett is 22 years old, right? So if we go back eight years when LeBron James took his talents to South Beach, that puts Miles Garrett at what, 14? Somewhere around there, 13, 14 years old. Now, I am not going to be taking any history lessons from a 14 year old. Let's just get that out there. But here's a little history lesson for young Miles Garrett, who apparently hasn't studied, might need to hit the books a little longer. NBA free agency started back in the late 1980s with Tom Chambers. Understand that Shaquille O'Neal left Orlando for Los Angeles back in the 90s. We actually saw Gary Payton and Carl Malone go to Los Angeles just to chase a title. We saw the Boston Celtics put together a super team with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, and Paul Pierce back in the 2000s. And of course, we saw LeBron James trying to beat that Celtics team by going to Miami and making his own super team. Hey, I have said it all along. I am not a fan of these players switching teams. I was raised in an era when Larry stayed in Boston. Magic was in Los Angeles. Mike was in Chicago. Isaiah was in Detroit. But this is the state of sports today. This isn't Kevin Durant ruining the NBA. This has been going on a long time before Durant ever decided to do this. Miles Garrett should probably go read a history book before he starts making grand proclamations. Because I don't think he understands the history of the NBA like he actually should. Did KD break the league? No, he didn't. 
He did what a number of other guys have done before him. He just did it, and we've seen the Golden State Warriors explode in that role because the rest of the league is pretty watered down. You might want to go study some history before you go saying silly things, Miles Garrett. But, hey, if anyone could see something that's broken, it would probably be Miles Garrett. He plays for the Cleveland Browns. Hey, coming back, we are going to be finishing up our conversation with longtime basketball coach Russ McKinstry. I've got a number of things to ask him about the NBA, and we are going to get to those when we get back. We now finish up our conversation with Russ McKinstry as we take a look at how Cleveland Cavaliers superstar LeBron James handled that crazy finish with J.R. Smith after game one of the NBA Finals. Coach, can you blame, I, I struggle with this, can you blame LeBron James for his reaction? He's furious. He's so, how do you not know this? I know he probably should be doing the there, there, rah, rah, come on, guys, let's still win this. But at some level, I got to look at him and go, yeah, but he's human. You just screwed up the whole thing. Why didn't you just throw the ball up? I struggle with the whole situation because, yes, he probably should have been the encouraging leader. Hey, I totally get it, though. I'd have been mad, too. Yeah, and, and I agree. I would agree that LeBron should have if this was a high school game, if this was a Division three. NCAA game where you don't have uh, uh, an individual who is being paid millions of dollars to stay, you know, 100% focused on the task at hand and who should have in his own mind visualized and replayed that exact circumstance throughout his career a hundred million times. You know, that's, that's what we all dream about. Hey, I get the ball a rebound, a loose ball with four seconds to go, and I get to be the guy. Or I get to be the guy that saves the game and calls the timeout so we can set up the, the winning play. I mean, we all fantasize about that from the time we're seven years old. So how, when you're 35 years old and been through a hundred, you know, hundreds of games, you can't come through. I don't, I don't blame LeBron at all for being disgusted. I would have been too. I would have been devastated. I would too, and, and I did. I totally understand his frustration. You know, the one disconnect I did have with that whole situation, and hey, J.R. Smith just isn't thinking. I, I don't know what he's thinking. I know right in the moment he turns to LeBron and says, you can read his lips, I thought we were ahead. You can see him say that. I don't know how he went there. But the one thing that does stand out to me, we didn't see it from Tyron Lue. We didn't see it from J.R. Smith. We didn't see it from Love or Corver or... Even LeBron James, why didn't anyone call for a timeout? Like, I know LeBron is mad at Tyron Lue and he found out we had timeouts. He didn't call one either. There was just a big disconnect there. And that, I think, shows that fine line between winning and losing. I have a feeling if Golden State gets that rebound, they still win that game. Yeah. No, and you're, and you're right. It's, yeah, it's a very, very good point that, uh, you know, if you don't have a coach that is you know, not in a state of shock like Tyron Lou. Yeah, I mean, I get being in that state of shock because you can't believe what you're saying, but you also have to be quick-minded enough to make sure that you rectify it before you put your own player, J.R. Smith, in a position where he's going to be, you know, the fool of, of the league. And then why don't you have somebody else on, on the court that's the coach on the court that automatically, once he sees that first dribble away from the, from the you know the pain as he headed heads towards mid court, he doesn't run to the the official call timeout. So yeah, it was you know again, just even though you're paid 
so much money and you're a professional athlete, pressure, adversity can do strange things to people under, you know, those type of conditions. Yeah, Coach, I want to talk just briefly about LeBron James, and you and I have discussed him a little bit, and obviously he's a phenomenal talent, incredible player. He's probably the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life as far as on a basketball court and that kind of thing. Amazing player. Why do I keep seeing teammates struggle to play with LeBron James? He's not a selfish player. He's a very good passer, very willing passer. He has no problem sharing the ball. But we see really talented players. Hey, Kevin Love is not garbage. Suddenly he gets with LeBron, he looks bad. We see the same thing with Chris Bosh. We have seen other guys. Why is it so hard to play with LeBron James? Yeah, you know, and it's like you and I have talked about, and I've talked with a lot of coaches, you know, who's the greatest player ever, who would you choose? And, you know, you probably shouldn't even make it about one person, but, you know, Michael Jordan to me is that person. And I can't explain exactly why. I just know what my eyes tell me. And I know from watching thousands and thousands of hours of basketball and thousands of thousands of games why Michael Jordan is better than LeBron. And I think a part of that is he makes people around him better. He is more of a clutch performer. And if you ask me who I'd want to have the ball on the last possession, I'd say Michael Jordan. But on the other hand, if you ask me who would I want defending the ball in a clutch performance, I would not hesitate to also say, also say Michael Jordan and, and LeBron, and, and I love him too. I think he's a lot of fun to watch, but he doesn't bring up those feelings in me. And it's not just because I'm an old man and I want to you know protect the guys from my generation because it really doesn't matter. I mean, I'd tell you if it was LeBron, but you know, there's just certain people, Magic, Larry, Michael, and a few others that just have certain special qualities that I don't think LeBron has, but... LeBron has an athletic uh, powerhouse, you know, dynamo aspect to him that makes him the best athlete ever, too. And I would say, I, I've never seen an athlete like him in football, basketball, track field, you know, soccer, whatever. I mean, he's just an amazing athlete, but he's not the best basketball player. Yeah, and I, I can't, like you said, it's just my eyes. I can't put a finger on it. He knows how to pass. He knows how to dribble. He know, But in crunch time, I see him sometimes do some weird things. I've never seen a 6'8", 250-pound man that can run like a gazelle have to settle for a fadeaway 30-footer with the game on the line. I, it blows my mind. I've never seen someone work so hard, someone that good work so hard for a fadeaway three that you can get literally anytime you want, you can get that shot. Why is that the go-to shot? I, there's some things about him I just yeah, don't understand. No, you're, you're right. That's that's the whole thing. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, it's a it's a sixth instinct. It's a savvy. It's a it's a God given ability that some players have, where those instincts are just something that uh, are so special and can't be taught, can't be coached. And LeBron has a lot of those, but he doesn't have the entire package of those, you know, undefiable skills that certain great players have that just make them, you know, very, very special what they do. Uh, and then, you know, you look at Larry Bird, who has, uh, you know, 20% of the athleticism that LeBron has. So you got to give LeBron credit for, you know, being a very, very gifted special athlete uh, that Larry Bird wasn't. But Larry Bird had some finesse and some things about him that 
LeBron just doesn't possess and never will. Yeah, it's not like he's going to develop him now. He's who he is and, and an unbelievable talent. It just yep. sometimes doesn't always pass the eyeball test. Coach, if you would have been voting for the NBA Finals MVP, we saw Golden State sweep them. Kevin Durant wins the MVP. I don't have a huge problem with it, but who would you have voted for if you were voting for the MVP of that series? Mm, wow. I'd have to really go back and replay that in my mind. And, you know, initially when they awarded it to Durant, uh, it makes sense to me. I mean, Durant is, um, Durant is, is you know, uh, a top 5% talent, regardless of decades, regardless of teams, regardless of who's playing. I mean, his skill set for a seven-footer and his ability to, you know, take over a game uh, is unbelievable. You just wonder why he doesn't do it more often, you know. Uh, so that's my knock on Durant is, man, with, with what you possess, with your wingspan, with your height, with your your skill set, why don't you dominate all the time? And And you like to think that maybe he's sacrificing some of that individual dominance to fit into a team concept, and that's why it really didn't show or trans- transpire until, you know, it seemed like the Warriors needed him to, to do that to win the, the series. But I, I guess, you know, without really having a chance to go back and review the film, I'd probably go with Durant. Yeah, yeah, and and I didn't have a huge problem with it. I wondered if Steph would get it because I thought Steph had carried them during the early couple games. Durant, in game one, when the Cavaliers nearly won that, Durant had a very, very quiet, I don't know, 23, 24 points. Didn't look very aggressive, just kind of looked out of sorts. But then he, it seemed like as the series went on, he got better. We started to see the Kevin Durant of last season, and he just started to say, hey, you know what? You can't guard me with Kevin Love. You can't guard me with some of these switches, George Hill and guys like that. I am going to take over and prove why I am the man. I understand Kevin Durant getting it. I didn't know if you uh, if you would have looked at Steph Curry saying maybe he should have got it. Coach, there was a lot of hate for these finals. Hey, we're seeing the Cavaliers again. We're seeing the Warriors again. It's now the fourth time in a row. I've got some bad news for everybody. We could see it again. But I guess I didn't have a huge problem with it. These are probably the two best teams in their conferences. Uh, yes, it's predictable. But I didn't know that it was horrible for the league, was it? No, I, I don't view it that way at all. You know, and... and uh... I, uh, I I like the NBA. I'm not a, a diehard that's going to catch a, every NBA game, you know, night in, night out. But I like to see it when it's played for high stakes. And, you know, I can see, you know, a Boston team once they get healthy and get Kyrie and, and Hayward back and, uh, you know, Philadelphia, if they add another piece during the offseason, which she knows it might be LeBron. I don't think so. I think they'll either stay in Cleveland or end up in L.A., you know, but, uh, you know, if San Antonio happened to get LeBron or Houston got LeBron and something wacky like that happened, you know, I could see something changing. But um, until those major changes take place, you know, I, I still think that, yeah, you know, you, you saw the two best teams that the NBA can offer up. I, I would say the more tenuous position is probably the Cavaliers of what they've got going and LeBron having to carry so much of the weight of that of that team that, uh, you know, the Celtics and the 76ers, I think, are, are just right on the precipice of getting ready to take over, you know, that spot from the from the Cavaliers. Yeah, I think they are. And, and you bring up a good point because the East has been bad now, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It has not had the same quality of talent that the West has. 
we're starting to see signs, just maybe, maybe, there could be some teams coming up in the East. Boston, wow, they could be loaded for years to come. That is a young, very, very talented team. You talked a little bit about Philadelphia. I think they're a, a big piece away, but if they get that piece, whoever that might be, Philadelphia, another very, very good, young, talented team. If Embiid can stay healthy, they're going to be good. You look at someone like Milwaukee or Toronto, maybe, I don't know, a Detroit or someone like that. They're starting to develop some teams in the East that we haven't seen for quite a while. Right, yeah, no, it's, um, it, and it's about time because they've been down for so long and it's been so slanted towards the West. But you knew, you know, the way the NBA works and how the NBA draft works. Uh, because of that, you knew uh, eventually the, the pendulum would uh, would shift to the other side. So I think we're seeing that shift. And you're right that a lot of the young talent is in, in the East. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the, if the West can, you know, maintain with the Warriors and the Rockets. And hopefully you add a couple other teams, the Trailblazers, or, you know, heaven, you know, help us, the Nuggets, maybe, if they've got a couple other pieces. You know, maybe they, they start getting the top, you know, five of the, of the West. It'll be interesting. I'll be really curious to see, you know, the offseason where everybody ends up and how free agency works to see how this is all going to pan out. Coach, looking forward just a little bit, I know we've looked back. We've gone clear back to March Madness. We've talked some NFL. We've talked, obviously, the NBA Finals and a little bit of the NBA playoffs. Looking forward just a little bit. NBA draft is coming. I believe it's already next week. You have seen some of these college kids that are coming out. If you are the GM of the Phoenix Suns, you have the number one pick and no, you don't get it traded away. Who in the world are you selecting with that top pick? Oh my gosh. You know, my, my choice, if I was the GM, I know a lot of people like uh, Aiden out of Arizona. I, w- I would go with uh, the kid out of Duke. Marvin Bagley. I, I just, yeah, I, I just I, I I just see such an upside. I, I see him as maybe a bigger, faster, stronger Kevin Durant. If again, if if he has the right mentality, the right work ethic, I just think for a 19-year-old kid, man, the ceiling of, of his potential is unlimited. So that would be my choice, my first choice over eight. I just think he's got a better natural feel for the game than Aiden does at Arizona. But Aiden, you know, is right there. And, you know, the kid that's coming out of Europe, like Donijic or whatever, yeah. I'm not sure what his last name is. I keep hearing about him. I've seen him on film a little bit. You know, I, I wonder about, you know, what, what he can bring to the table because he's been dominating the European leagues at 17 and 18 years of age, which there's a lot of good players in Europe. And if he's dominating the European leagues at, at 17 or 18, he must be pretty special. But... I still go back to Bagley, and and that'd be my boy. That'd be my guy. Yeah, see, it would mine too. And I just like so much of the potential he brings. Not only what he does on the floor, I kind of like his makeup. I kind of like the way he deals with things and the way he kind of reacts to things. Show me a lot more than DeAndre Ayton. You saw DeAndre Ayton a little bit. I know that you watched some Arizona because you're a glutton for punishment. You watched a little bit of Arizona hoops. (laughs) I'm looking at this kid that I'm seeing and hearing people talk about him being he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. He's got this huge upside. Coach, what am I missing? (laughs) I'm missing something because I don't always see it. Here's a big seven-foot guy. Coach, he doesn't play any defense. And I don't mean he kind of like he doesn't play any defense. He's really, really bad defensively. It will help at the next level when he doesn't have to match up against guys that are threes and fours. That'll change things a little bit. 
But hey, he's going to get victimized at that next level, trying to guard big guys even. I, I'm not sure that I get DeAndre Ayton completely. Good, yes, great, I'm not sure. No, I think you're right. He's, he's got a lot for me to see that he's got to prove to me that, uh, you know, he, he plays at both ends of the court. And, uh, you know, I, I think people get enamored with the fact that he can run, you know, extremely well runs the court. He's extremely uh, big, you know, he's very long. You know, he's he's got nice, soft hands. But again, we all know that intangibles really make up so much of the game of basketball. And those are the things that I haven't seen from him are those intangibles, you know, um, a huge heart, a huge motor, uh, a desire to do the dirty work, a desire to make people around him better. So I have not seen any evidence of that, and that's why, you know, I would definitely go with Bagley over him. And, you know, if, if you can coach Aiden up, and, uh, you know, make him improve in, in the areas of intangibles. But a lot of times, you either have those or you don't. So it'll be interesting. If you're the Denver Nuggets, do you have any players that you're looking at specifically that you think could help this goofy franchise that we can't quite figure out ever how to win? <laughs> you know, what they what they need throughout the entire organization is, is an infusion of toughness. Their culture is just so soft. Uh, to me, everything they do, you know, they whine about calls, they whine about travel, they whine about this, they whine about injuries, until they get guys that say, you know, to the organization, I'll be part of the organization, but I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to play the victim like you guys are, play, are playing year in, year out, game in, game out, and and they make a stand that changes that culture, it don't matter who they get. You know, it, it, that's what they've got to do in, in that organization. They, they've got to finally decide that, you know, they're not going to be the kings of could-haves, should-haves, would-haves, you know, uh, all, the, all those excuses of, hey, we're, we're right there, we just got to do this. You know, they just got to start, you know, showing us through actions that they're ready to change the, the, the trending, you know, as an organization until then you know i'm very suspect it really doesn't matter who they draft yeah i'm right there with you and i'm looking at this draft saying if they don't take one of those kids from villanova and i don't care if it's brunson i don't care if it's mikhail bridges swingman kind of player that would bring some of that toughness some of that scrappiness some of that i don't care what the ref says i don't care what the other team does we're going to go find a way to win this game i have very little hope for them but those are the kind of players that they need to start bringing in because you're right. They have a victim's mentality, and it is never, ever going to get better as long as they're that way. No, and you know, and, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, they do. And Jamal Murray has that. I mean, there, there's a kid that you can point to that says, hey, winning is important to me, and I'll scrap, I'll rebound, I'll defend, I'll play off, I'll do whatever it takes, but I need help. And, you know, and, and I think that we're, we're thinking in the right way that Millsap would come in and provide some of that. Right. Uh, the injury that he had obviously really curtailed his season last year, so maybe he'll get healthy and bring that. But you can't just have uh, a Murray and a, and a Millsap because you got Jokic, who really they're centering everything around, who is the king of the victims, yes. you know, who is the king of the whiners. And if you're not willing to stand up and say, hey, you know, we're not going to play you until you get this figured out because you're too soft to lead us to the playoffs. Again, they're going nowhere until they get that figured out, too. So they, they've got a lot of issues they got to deal with. 
coach. I have to tell you, thank you so much for stopping by. We always enjoy your visits, the insight you bring to the game, the understanding that you have of the game, not just basketball, just sports in general, just athletes in general, coaching in general. It is always so much fun to have you here on The Daily Dose to come in and talk sports with us. You know that you are absolutely welcome to come by anytime you want to. We always love your visits. Well, I, I couldn't be happier to be on with you today, Coach. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it as much as you do. And anytime you, you need a knucklehead to come in and talk <laughs> some sports, you know exactly what number to call. I'll be there anytime. Hey, I genuinely appreciate it. All right, you take care. Tell the family hi. Just a quick reminder that if you do have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. June's Loot Crate theme is out. It is called Colossal, and it features items from Godzilla, Marvel Comics, Ghostbusters, and Jurassic Park. But remember, if none of those franchises interest you, make sure you stop by Loot Crate because they have just about any franchise and nearly any item that you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure that you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order. Just a little thank you from us to you. Hey, it is Friday and we have made it through another week. I know we didn't have a Daily Dose Top 5 this week, but you know, it is always good to sit down with Coach Mack, get his thoughts when we get the chance. Now, don't forget that this weekend, we do actually have a few things to watch. The World Cup is now rolling along. Argentina and Iceland meet up early tomorrow. If you want to see Lionel Messi, you're going to want to tune in for that one. On Sunday, we have Germany versus Mexico. That could be very good. The College World Series is still going. They're trying to slim that field down a little bit to an eventual championship series. And the U.S. Open is this weekend. That could also be well worth your time to tune in for. Dustin Johnson got out of the gate early. Tiger Woods is, yeah, he's struggling a little bit, but we'll see where that ends up. Hey, we are going to be recapping all of those things next week, as well as keeping you up to date on the latest and greatest in sports news. Hey, I want to thank all of you for listening to The Daily Dose every day. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for the texts and the tweets. Thanks to Big Rob and Coach Mac for stopping by this week. I know it was a little bit different this week, but it was a very, very fun week. I hope that you enjoyed it. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.